0: And uh, so we're going to talk today about living in resurrection power. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we get into the message here this morning. If I were to ask you, who is Michael Jordan, what would you say? I think most of us would say, well, he's a pretty famous basketball player, maybe one of the greatest of all time. How about if I were to ask you who Sylvester Stallone was? You'd probably say, Rocky, you know, he's a great actor, and I like his movies, whatever it might be, but... How about Diana Ross? Some of the younger folks in the room might not have any idea, but those of us a little bit older probably realize she was one of the great singers of her generation. And uh, I want to tell you this morning, if you were to say that Michael Jordan was a basketball player, that's who he was. If you were to say that Sylvester Stone was an actor, that's who he was, and Diana Ross, that she was a singer, that's who she was, that you'd unfortunately be wrong, okay? That's not who they are, that's what they did. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's amazing today that many people struggle with their identity. Who am I really? What is my life all about? What is the meaning of my life? Who am I supposed to be? And what is my purpose in life? What is the meaning of my life here? People go to great lengths to kind of understand their identity. They want to wear the right clothes. And I had a son that uh, realized or that felt like if he wasn't wearing the $120 tennis shoes, he wasn't who he needed to be. And uh, all these things in life that we do... And uh, you know, it's, it's 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 status. Sometimes we think that gives us identity. Because I got a bigger house than the Joneses. And think about this. You know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Just when we catch up with them, they refinance and move ahead of us. And so it's tough to stay up with the Joneses, right? But how about how about all those folks that are out there and they decide that you know I'm just not liking what old days looks like. You know, I have had a problem with my looks for years. So old days doesn't really make that much difference. But uh, they want to go have plastic surgery, you know, because I want to look younger because that's my identity, who I am. I, I need to look beautiful. They they go to great lengths to understand that identity. I've seen people, many people, maybe you have too, that have had plastic surgery. And, whoa, <laughs> what's what, wrong? I hope you didn't pay for that. <laughs> but it's never going to give us our identity. You know that as well as I do. Think about Our children. Our children, especially in middle school, kind of when they get into the big girl and boy kind of commentary in their life, in the time of their life, they're very, very stressed out many times because of their identity. They want to be accepted, and that's not wrong. They want to be approved by their peers. And so, unfortunately, many times they struggle with that identity and, unfortunately, never find it. They go into adult life and never fully understand who their identity is and who they are in Christ. Well, Paul wants us to understand that. But more than that, God wants us to know our identity. God has given us our identity through Jesus Christ. We have a shared life with Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. Our identity will never, ever, ever come from anything in this world. I don't care how rich you are, how beautiful you are, how famous you are. That will never give you identity. How about all these famous people, famous athletes and famous actors and actresses that commit suicide or die a horrendously sorry life? I can tell you the first problem of their life they never found out who they really were. They never understood their identity in Him. I'm not saying they weren't Christians, but they never got to the point in their life when they found out truly who they were in Christ. God wants us to understand that we have an identity. Our identity is Him. If you have your Bibles with us, this in turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Colossians, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. It looks like 14 to me. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. As you find your way to God's Word there, open up what God's Word said with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's Holy Word. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Praise God for that. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, speak to our hearts this day, Father, that we all might leave here, Father, realizing truly who we are in you, Father, and we grow in that way. Father, we thank you for all these things in the precious, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It changed everything. Paul shows us through that resurrection who we are, who Christians really are. Christianity, as I said a minute ago, is a shared life. The life of the all-victorious Jesus Christ who rose from the grave and ascended into heaven and lives at the right hand of God today is our identity. We identify with all of God's, all of Jesus Christ's life. From the very time he was born in that major to the time that he died, he was buried in a broad tomb and rose on that third day. That is our identity, all of Jesus Christ's life and everything in between. But most of all, who he is today, God living in heaven. In this magnificent scripture we just read, Paul shares with us the resurrected life. He shows us the riches of Christ. Paul's saying to you and I, here it is, come and take it, it's all yours. Paul's saying, receive this to who you are. Let your life be in Christ. Let your life be what he wants you to be. Well, how does the Christian really live that resurrected life in today's world? I'm sure you all have phenomenal examples out there about how brutal this world is. It's been brutal to me. It's been brutal to you. It's a hard world out there. Listen very carefully. We're living behind enemy lines. We're living in enemy territory. The enemy out there wants to destroy you. You're getting the parallel here just to elect war. When you're behind enemy lines, it's dangerous. Anywhere you turn, the enemy could be there to snatch your life from you. That's just like Satan. He wants to steal your life. He can't kill you. Do you know what? He can steal Christ from you. Not eternally, if you have Christ in your heart, but he can take the inheritance that God wants you to enjoy in this earth from you. Steal it from you. How do we truly live a resurrected life in a fallen world? Paul saying something very simply. Change your point of view. Change your point of view. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means... Man, if I'm looking this way, I don't need to look that way. Anymore. I need to change my point of view and look that way. It means that I don't need to allow circumstances to dictate who I am. I need to live my life not based on circumstances, but live my life based on my relationship. We all have hard circumstances. We all have bad things happen. We all have hard times that we live through. You know, I don't want that to steal my joy. I don't want that to steal who I am. I want to say, I want to live my life based on that relationship. That relationship says that God of the universe that sent his son to die upon that cross lives inside me. I have resurrection power. What does resurrection power mean? It means, listen very carefully, it's not double A or triple A battery power. It's not even atomic power that we see out here on Lake Anna. That's a lot of power out there. You know that as well as I do. Listen very carefully, though. Nobody's ever going to get saved by the Lake Anna nuclear power plant, Okay? Nobody's life is ever going to get transformed by that. So I'm talking about power far beyond atomic power. I mean, that's big power compared to AA. But I'm talking about the ultimate power in the world. There's no power in all the world besides resurrection power that can bring a man back to life. Jesus Christ walked out of that grave. Death could not hold the king. Jesus Christ has given, listen, very carefully, that same power to you and I. Listen, none of us will ever die. Did you hear that? None of us will ever die. When this little life here expires, when my heart stops beating and my lungs stop breathing, this, this body will cease to exist. But you know what? Our souls live forever. The point is, though, we live in one of two places. We can either live forever in heaven or we can live in hell separated from God. But we all live forever. Resurrection power gives us the power to leave this body and live in heaven In the presence of God Almighty forever. That's what we're talking about here. Resurrection power. Paul says change your point of view. The two things he wants to point out to us today in the scripture is first of all. Seek the things above but then also find life in Christ. When we seek things above you know what's going to happen? We're going to find life in Christ. We're going to realize that what we have. We're going to appropriate that to our lives because we're seeking the things above. Let me break it down for us for just a second. Verses 1 and 2 talk about seeking things above. Look at those again with me if you will. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Then set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. Those two scriptures kind of parallel each other except there's one major difference. Verse number 1 says, Seek the things above. What does that mean? It means strive for those things ahead. And it's tough in this world Living in a broken world, a destroyed world, it's tough to seek the things above. Why? Because we have all these distractions out here. We have all these things that are, that are that are very easily tangible to us, tangible to the touch, and tangible to sight. So we're distracted. But Paul's saying, hey, in spite of all that, you still need to seek things above. Seek it. Strive to think the things see the things of heaven. But then in verse two, he talks about the things that let your mind seek God. What are you saying there? We need to concentrate. We not only need to seek God, but we also need to concentrate on the things we find there. Spend time up there. Set our mind on things above, not just things down here. Seek it and then stay there. Seek it and then live, live there. Live in the things of heaven. Paul's saying, hey, you got to be sold out to Christ. We have a shared life in Jesus Christ, and so you need to share it. You need to live in it. It's not enough. Listen very carefully. Just to come to church on Sunday morning, it's not enough. I'm here to tell you. If that's all you do, listen, you're never going to live the resurrected life. You're going to hear about it and you might experience it coming in and going out and having experiences there. But listen, God wants us to worship every moment of all we are, every single moment. We need to be, thank you, God, for that sunrise. Unbelievable sunrise, honey. Did you see that sunrise this morning? Unbelievable. God gave us a beautiful ocean here. Isn't this beautiful, honey? We need to be worshiping God with all that we are, not just on Sunday morning singing songs. I was watching around the group here. I know, like me, I like those old tunes. I saw a couple of people bouncing a little bit, and I love that. You'd turn around. I was bouncing back there too. Probably felt the earth shaking a little bit. It's kidding. But you know, it's fun. And that's great. That's what we're supposed to do. Praise God with our songs. But it doesn't end at 12 o'clock or 12.15 or 12.30 if the pastor's long-winded. It never ends. In fact, let me say this. It's really just beginning when you leave here. You've probably experienced this before leaving church and I'm very excited. Man, that was a great service and you know, I resonated with what was said or sung today, and the Sunday school teachers leave you excited. I want to share this with you. You should leave here excited, and that's great. But you should have such a week with God that next Sunday, when you come up, you're even more excited. I'm excited to go back to church because of what God did this week in my life, because of how I experienced God, because I set my affections on Him, and then I stayed there. I not only sought Him and strived to be there, but I also stayed there. I put my mind up there. God changed my spirit. Scripture calls for you and I to have a transformation of our attention. We need to change the point of our attention. Many of you, I can tell, because you're looking fit as a fiddle and you're looking awfully roguishly handsome or beautiful, you probably are well aware that there's a lot of concentration today on organic foods. And that's important, that we eat right. And uh, we need to take great lengths to make sure that we're eating things that aren't going to harm us. So... There's just been an outpouring here. A lot of grocery stores that specialize in organic foods, and most grocery stores now, if they're worth their salt, have an organic section where you buy things organic. What that means is they typically haven't been touched by pesticides. And it's interesting how the pesticides came about. People were trying to do a better job farming. They're trying to figure out ways to raise their cattle faster, to grow chick- chickens in 15 minutes as opposed to a number of weeks or months. So they trying to do all these things. So they give them special things or chemicals. And they thought, man, we're doing a good job here. Man, I'm so smart in doing these things. But what we found out over the years is a lot of those things that they're giving them aren't healthy for us. They accomplish a the mission. You know, cow grows from calf to, you know, 500-pound bull in two weeks, whatever it might be. But they realize what they're giving them is not good. Even the pesticides they, they, uh, they shower on plant, plant life, trying to keep the bugs off them or try to, try to make it a better product are damaging to us. There's been a lot of studies there that need to do away with some of those pesticides. Many have been outlawed now because after years of research, they realize those are causing infirmities in people. Well, listen carefully to this. You and I are sprayed every day with pesticides that do damage to our spiritual life, okay? It may be TV. It may be commercialism. It may be somebody teaching things that aren't true. We need to realize because of the pesticides that have infiltrated not just the agricultural things but also the spiritual things of America here can destroy, steal, paralyze, and damage our spiritual walk. What do you mean that God didn't mean that that was a baby in the womb? Or what it might be? All the things that are being purported today as choices or being purported today as truth. Uh Uh-oh, I'm rattling again, aren't I? We need to be careful of those things in our life because they damage us. And he's very careful here. Set your mind on those things above, not on these things on earth. How do I understand truth in this world? How do I understand the things I need to understand? It's right here. I want to let God's word saturate my life in such a way as I understand all these things and realize a pesticide when I see it. Realize that this is not good for me. These aren't things that are good in my life. St. Augustine said this. He says, Christ is not valued at all. Unless he's valued above all. Christ is not valued at all unless he's valued above all. He's telling us right now if he's not first place in our life, we're not valuing him the way he needs to be valued. I've had the opportunity a number of times in my ministry here to be with men for the most part, sometimes women, but mostly men, at the time of their going home in the hospital. They're still cognizant, they're still able to communicate. And it's a very, very precious time, and I, make, I avail myself to be there as often as I can, as often as they want me there, just to spend that time to be an encouragement and also to talk to them and, and read Scripture with them and be there for them. You know, to a man, of all the men that I've spent time with in that situation, every one of us, every, every one of us told me that this illness, it said it somewhere like this, that this illness has brought everything into perspective. This illness has brought everything to light in my life that I was missing. They've said, you know, I have a new perspective about life. What they're talking about here is nothing else is really important except those moments with precious family saying I love you, making sure they spend that good quality of time, making sure they tell everybody that's important to them how important they are to them. They have a brand new perspective about life at those 11th hours of life, realizing that I'm not going to be around them so long. I want to make sure that they count. But also, my big worry about my job all these years, my big worry about my health, my big worry about all these things, you know, doesn't really matter now. I want to put the most important things in my life where they belong. That's what God's telling us through the Apostle Paul here. Set your affections on the things that really matter. Seek those things above that are really important. Worry about the things above as opposed to down here. You don't need to worry about heaven, but make that your focus as opposed to the things out here. The things on this world are never going to bring us fulfillment, never going to bring us purpose. It's only when we serve God in doing all those things and realize what He has for us. The second part of what Paul wants us to hear today is found in verses three and four. It's finding life in Christ. What does that mean? It says, "For you died." In verse three, says, "For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory." You know, I think it's something amazing. It's bold, it's defiant, it's jubilant about being told that our sin is now dead. That we need to be dead to our sin. Christ rose victorious that we might have victory over sin, victory over death and the grave. Jesus Christ very specifically tells us to get rid of it, take off the old man and put on the new because I've given you the power to do that. I want to live in the new life. The precondition for all life and growth is death. Death. We're never going to truly grow in the way God wants us to grow until we say, hey, I'm dead to myself. I'm putting myself last. That's tough to do. Because why? Because I like myself. Myself is important. It's even more important to God. And he wants the best for you. And the way to do that is to die to ourselves, to give it to God, say, hey, God, my life is yours. You know, to kind of help us understand this, it's a difficult to understand how do I die to myself. This is it. Physically, I'm still here, but listen very carefully. Spiritually, I'm not really here. Think about Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail. They've been beaten and thrown in the inner sanctum of that jail downstairs there, in the inner sanctum of that jail, chained and shackled in brutal pain. What did they start doing? Singing. Why? Because they weren't in that jail. They were someplace else. They set their affections on God. They were someplace else. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wouldn't bow down to the king. The king said, hey, I'm going to throw you in the fire if you don't bow down. They said, hey, throw us in the fire. Maybe we'll die. Maybe God will spare us. But we're not going to bow down to the king. The king threw him in there, but the furnace was even hotter than normal. They looked in after a little while, and what they see in the furnace, they saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around. And a fourth person, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were hidden with Christ. That was Jesus Christ in there with them. In the midst of your fires, you know what? God's walking through there with you. Jesus Christ is walking hand in hand with you. Because we're hidden in Christ. We can have incredible victory in the middle of the worst fires we're ever facing. God wants us to understand that. Our life can truly only be described as death, burial, and resurrection. We've been raised in newness of life. It tells us in Romans 6, 4. New life. I want you to hear this story for just a second. Napoleon, the great conqueror of most of Europe, had a prized horse. Man, he loved this horse. rode it in the battle everywhere he went. His tenders to his horse one day were out there grooming it, and the horse got away. It took off across the field, heading towards the battlefield. All of a young, a young prophet saw that going on and jumped on his horse, raced after that horse into the middle of the battlefield to rescue the general's horse, and he caught it. And he grabbed the reins of that horse and brought it back to the general, presented it to the general. General, here's your horse. He got off the horse himself. The, the um, private stood up there and handed the horse to the general. General looked at that young private and said, "Thank you very much, Captain." Well, that private said, "Napoleon called me Captain," and so what did he do? He didn't miss a beat. He went over to the quartermaster and said, "Hey, give me a captain's uniform. I'm getting rid of this private uniform." He put that captain's uniform on because Napoleon told him and called him a captain. He walked around. His friends were saluting him. What's going on here? They saluted him and saluted him back. You know what was so amazing about that? That young private took Napoleon, the general, at his word. that called him a captain. That private realized Napoleon, the general, just changed my status. i got a brand new status here. I'm no longer a private. I'm a captain. When got that uniform immediately began wearing it. Listen very carefully. Because of what Jesus Christ did upon that cross, by the suffering and the anguish that he paid upon that cross for you and I, he's given you and I a brand new status. It's time for you and I to put on that brand new uniform that resurrection life uniform, begin living that way. Being taking God, the supreme commander in His word. Realize that God has called me a God called me a resurrected child. God's given me resurrection power. I'm going to cloak myself in that promise and begin living that way. There's too many Christians out there in this world right now living on double A battery when they have resurrection power. God wants to do something incredible with all of us. Remember the story when Jesus heard that His friend Lazarus had died. He'd been called to aid Lazarus a couple days before he died he didn't make it on time intentionally he got to Lazarus' house and the sisters were a little upset with him he told his, the sisters hey I'm the resurrection of life he wanted them to understand who he was I am the resurrection of the life he went over to where Lazarus was buried had him roll his stone side, and said Lazarus come forth Lazarus walked out of the tomb Jesus Christ could have very well said just come forth I believe that all the dead people would have got up him if he said that. That's the kind of power Jesus Christ has. But Lazarus walked out. They took the bread clothes off the, the grave clothes off him. Jesus was a, I mean, Lazarus was a dead man that came back to life. Resurrection power. If you were to read the scriptures, there in John chapter twelve verse nine, it says that many people came to see Lazarus after that happened. They came to see him. Those people did not come to see Lazarus because he was wealthy. Didn't come to see him because he was a nice guy. Didn't even come to see him because they knew he was good friends with Jesus. Those people came to see Lazarus because he was a dead man that was now alive. Listen very carefully. You and I that are Christians, we're all dead men, but now we're alive. Our houses, our workplaces, our schools, our churches should be places where people come to see people that were once dead that are now alive. That's resurrection living. That's what churches need to be about. I praise God that our church is on the borderline of being that way. It really is. I've never seen a church like this before. I've never seen God moving like I've seen before in this church for 15 years. God's up to something very special. But listen very carefully. Can you imagine if all of us got very serious about walking with the Lord? If all of us went home today and put on that resurrection power coat and began walking around like who we really are. We found our identity this very day in Christ I realized it's there. So I'm going to search for it. I'm going to find it and I'm going to acc- acclimate myself to that. I'm going to appropriate God's identity to me. And I want to see God do great things in my life. Listen very carefully. Our nation is such a precarious position right now. We can no longer be just kind of common everyday Christians. We need to be sold out Christians. Living in the resurrection of the power. Expecting God to do great things. God wants to do those things. God wants to show you and I incredible, incredible things. The day is coming, it says in verse 4 there. It says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear to him. What he's saying right now is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. You don't know when. Nobody knows when. But Jesus Christ is coming back. We need to live in such a way as we realize it really could happen any minute. We have an incredible opportunity to be found faithful when He.